0: You are listening to Letters to Cinema. My name is Manuel, and today I'm going to be talking about Ecuadorian cinema and a particular film movement that emerged in the last couple of years, one that I have called the Ecuadorian First Wave and occurred from 2006 to 2016. I'm originally from Ecuador and while I was doing my master's at Columbia University in film and media studies, I wrote my thesis on contemporary Ecuadorian cinema. If you don't know much about it, I think that this could be a great introduction. And I also thought that it could be fun to start with a national cinema that hasn't been discussed in detail by other people. So to start, the film you listen to at the beginning of this episode is called Rodents. In Spanish, it's called Ratas Ratones. Rateros from 1999 by Sebastián Cordero. I want to say that this might be the most important film in Ecuador's filmography, and I will explain this later. But before I go deep into the Ecuadorian first wave, I wanted to give you guys some points on. How did Ecuador's film industry began? The first Ecuadorian who dreamed of a national cinema was a 19-year-old visionary named Augusto San Miguel. This director founded the Ecuadorian film company when money borrowed from his parents and imported from Europe all the necessary equipment he needed to make his films. And then in just 8 months between 1924 and 1925, He had already produced, directed, and starred in three fiction films and three documentaries. But sadly, his success only lasted about a year due to their high cost production value and intense competition against American films like those by Charlie Chaplin that were super popular at the time and made it impossible for him to succeed with his newly established company. He then traveled on a long bohemian trip through Europe Returning to Ecuador in 1930 where he worked only in theater and never making a film again. A fun fact from this director is that the legend says that he asked to be buried with his films before his death in 1937. The day his coffin was open. It's, it's, this was shot in the documentary. His remains were the only thing found inside and the films. Just continue to be lost until this day. The reason why I mention San Miguel is because... This is exactly what is currently going on with the Ecuadorian first wave filmmakers. While I was doing my my research in Ecuador, I would go out in the streets and stand outside the motion picture theaters and ask the people, ask the locals, if they were interested in Ecuadorian films. I was surprised when their responses were actually negative ones, mentioning that the Ecuadorian films tell personal visions while also portraying the negative cultural aspects of the country, such as urban crime, instead of illustrating universal themes. In other words, Ecuadorians are not very supportive towards its film industry and the filmmakers don't necessarily have a reliable audience, I should say. The film movement emerged on February 3rd of 2006, when the first Ecuadorian cinema law was approved. By the National Congress and, as a result, an institution called the CNCnet was established to fortify the audiovisual industry of the country. So, this institution began supporting upcoming directors, the ones who will, in due time, create the Ecuadorian first wave. So, in other words, the films from the Ecuadorian first wave were the films made under the cnc this government program, this government funding. And the institution lasted a 10-year period from 2006 to 2016 when it trans- transitioned to a new organization called ICA. The difference is that the government decided that from this point forward, they are going to, f- to fund all the art forms, including poetry, dance, painting, music, And not only cinema, and this of course, you know, were extremely bad news for the Ecuadorian first wave directors because their budget got literally cut in half. So, in my thesis, I divided the movement into four different genres. Ecuadorian crime thrillers, girlhood films, road films, and one which I called Inca Blues. And I wanted to analyze these four genres just to give you an idea of what an Ecuadorian film is like. As I said before, discussing the work of Sebastián Cordero. Sebastián Cordero is, without a doubt, the master of Ecuadorian crime thrillers. His debut feature, Rodents, initiated a rebirth in the country's film industry and gave Ecuadorian cinema like a particular status that it didn't have before by winning awards at international film festivals. So Rodents is about the crime life of Salvador who lives with his father and mentally ill grandmother in the barrios of Quito. And one day receives the visit of his delinquent cousin, Angel, who is fleeing from a dangerous gang in the coastal city of Guayaquil. He then drags Salvador into a series of misadventures putting not only their lives in danger but also the ones of their loved ones like the grandmother. And throughout his filmography Cordero comments on one particular issue and that is how the films show the threat of violence associated with drugs which has contributed to the rise of all types of crime, including homicides, robberies, sexual assaults, home invasions, and sending out a damaging portrayal of the country abroad, especially for visiting tourists. To clarify this point, there's a scene in the film where Angel and his cousin are at the station waiting for the train headed to Quito. And Salvador decides to go for a walk inside the terminal. And in his walk, he spots an American tourist couple sleeping on the floor and approaches them. We see him grab the tourist fanny pack and take all the money inside. And then he raises his head to check if they're still sleeping and gets scared when he realizes the woman is wide awake. And then in shock, the woman just stays silent and decides not to wake up her husband. And Salvador just leaves quietly with the money in hand and goes to buy the train tickets and the most exciting and interesting part of the scene is that Cordero stars as the male tourist who eventually wakes up. My idea will be that by putting himself in the position of the mistreated foreigner, he criticizes the Ecuadorian culture for being the way it is. While most Ecuadorians just criticize his work for portraying the urban crime that goes that goes on all over the country, I believe Cordero finds it necessary, as it may be just one of the few ways to spread caution on this matter. And as a result, this is the primary reason why Ecuadorians believe this film's only damaged the country's image abroad by sending out a pessimistic impression. But to be honest, as I will describe them, they're just an accurate representation of Ecuador that is painful to accept in in my country. ¿Qué te pidió más, Salvador? ¿Cuándo es tarde? Hace unos días, antes de ir a Quito. Yo no sabía que lo iba a matar, loco. Ahora estoy feliz. ¿Habías matado a alguien vos? No. Quédate aquí, voy a ver qué vos a Yo ya no voy a ningún lado. Familia. ¿Cómo van a ataque? The second genre are Ecuadorian girlhood films that feature the coming of age of a female protagonist where for the first time an Ecuadorian girl comes to realize the different social levels within the country. The film I wanted to talk about in the genre is Ana Cristina Barragan's feature debut Alba from 2016. The film follows an 11-year-old girl named Alba who is forced to live with her father after her divorced mother gets severely sick and hospitalized and then the transition to living with her father brings a lot of stress for them, for both of them, as they're not used to like being together for so long and hardly know each other. And Alba doesn't speak to anyone but her mother while she's asleep and in a coma and to herself when she's playing alone in her room until she goes to school and is forced to talk to all the upper-class girls that seem more confident than her. And the day she gets invited to the house of the most popular girl in her grade, the girl's mother offers her a ride home, which she's forced to accept. And on the way, the mother keeps asking her for directions, in which she insists just on riding straight, trying to avoid going to her father's humble house. And then finally, Alba tells her to stop the car next to what looks like an upper middle class home and lies by telling him, it's here, you can stop, it's here, this is my house. So she gets out of the car and in a close up of her face, we see her walk at a slow pace towards the door while also looking over her shoulder, waiting for them to leave. But the mother wants to see her get inside safe. And the suspense rises when Alba has no other choice but to actually ring the bell. So when the door opens, we see a well-dressed young man in shock. And Alba's first first instinct is to hug him. And thinking that it's Alba's father, the mother finally dries dries off. And eventually the stranger calls her father to come pick her up. It's a really intense scene that... In my opinion, it summarizes how the differences in social class can generate a trauma in Ecuadorian children at such a young age. And Ecuadorian girlhood films translate this theme through the coming of age of a female protagonist in a country where, like any country, being at the top of the social hierarchy is seen as a privilege. ¿Cómo te <laughs> i <laughs> <laughs> ¿Le puedo ayudar? Unas prendas femeninas. Con alas, sin alas. Unas pequeñas para niña. Date un beso con Alba por cinco segundos. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. Next, I want to talk about Ecuadorian road films. In contrast to American road films, center on the sense of individualism and mobility that characterizes post-war USA. The Ecuadorian road film targets a more collective identity rather than individualist. What I mean by this is that in their journey the characters from this films wrestle with not only what's it like to be an Ecuadorian but more deeply what's it like to be from different regions of the country and the cultural differences they have. For example. I was born on the coast, Guayaquil, and I have different customs to say someone who is from Quito, just like a New Yorker, is completely different from a Texan. We speak with a different Spanish accent, eat other kinds of traditional foods. We don't need winter clothes like people from Quito because of the hot weather in Guayaquil and so on. I would like to look at how the characters from this genre differentiate themselves from the people of other areas in the country and the way they deal with their rejection because of the regional differences. So the film I wanted to talk about is Tania Ermidas. How Much Further from 2006. The film follows the journey of a girl named Tristeza, in English is sadness, who is on a mission to stop the boy she loves from getting married after discovering that he got engaged to a girl from the city of Cuenca. While on the road, she encounters a national strike which blocks all the freeways around the country. So she decides to continue her journey backpacking with another Spanish tourist, looking for other travelers who can take them to at least the nearest town and hopefully in time before the boy gets married. In one of the scenes, we get to see how Sadness, as a girl from the capital, Quito, views herself differently from other Ecuadorian girls. So they stop at a local shop in one of the towns they visit and order some sodas. The scene begins with church bells ringing in the background, signaling that her time is running out. One of the travelers asks her, what's your hurry to reach Cuenca? So she tells him about her plans of stopping the boy's wedding and insists that the only reason why he's getting married is because he got the girl pregnant. She later describes the boy's fiance as the typical Cuencana girl, green eyes, works in a bank, goes, goes to church, paints her nail while she waits for her husband to appear. In other words, the complete opposite to her, as she's a seedy girl who doesn't like to dress up and considers herself more of a liberal. In short, one of the reasons why the boy wouldn't marry her is because his family won't accept a girl from Quito, from the capital. And after traveling the entire country for a boy she just met once at the beach, she realized that her rejection is due to the regional differences between the two. And this is what Ecuadorian road films do is to analyze the difference between the regions in Ecuador and the cultural habits each region has. Yo una vez vi una película en la que in gente estaba en una estación de autobuses que se encontraba en la mitad de la nada y no podían salir. Que los volcanes molan, que los indios flipan, que los colores alucinan. O sea, Este es un país que tiene unos problemas también. Ahorita, por ejemplo, hay un paro, ¿sí cachas? Sí, cacho, cacho, pero es que no se ve. ¿Cómo que no vaya? Si vos no quieres es problema tuyo, pero yo voy. Yo soy Esperanza. ¿Tú cómo te llamas? Me llamo tristeza. No me lo creo, vamos. Finally, my favorite Ecuadorian genre, what I have called Inca Blues. The film I wanted to talk about is the Ecuadorian cult film Sensations from 1991, directed by Juan Esteban and Viviana Cordero, Sebastián Cordero's older siblings. I know that it's from 1991, but it's one of the few Ecuadorian cult films and I just I really wanted to talk about this film I really want you guys to know about it so the film follows an Ecuadorian musician named Sac Martelli who arrives in Ecuador from New York wanting to form a band and record a new album. So he recruits six musicians with his longtime friend, Ricky. They all travel to an isolated farm near the Andes mountain range where they spend their days recording music in the villa's basement while getting drunk and consuming heavy drugs for inspiration or as they describe it, new sensations. So the band often fight and argue during their recording sessions which leads to the suicide of one of the band members and in the end their goal is to create melodies from the experiences and sensations they make at the villa but struggle to keep the group united. There's a beautiful quote from the film that in my opinion really encapsulates what this Ecuadorian genre is all about as the characters themselves explain it A band is like a utopia. It's like a marriage. If it rarely works between two people, how do you expect it to work between six? Ecuadorian Inca Blues feature a group of musicians who grapple with life-changing problems that lead to the breakup of their band. Almost 100 years later, what the Ecuadorian first wave directors are attempting to accomplish can be compared to San Miguel's aspirations of once wanting to give birth to an Ecuadorian film industry. With the Ecuadorian first wave transitioning into something new, lies the possibility of a second wave to emerge under Ica. In the light of this, let's turn the page and allow the Ecuadorian second wave to begin. I really hope you guys liked this episode. Let me know on the Instagram account which film movement I should do next. Thank you so much for listening and keep watching films.